there's no better feeling than a personal win. And the State Farm Personal Price Plan can help you do just that. Talk to a State Farm agent today to learn how you can bundle and save with the personal price plan. Like a good neighbor, State Farm is there. Prices are based on rating plans that vary by state. Coverage options are selected by the customer. Availability, amount of discounts and savings, and eligibility vary by state. This episode is brought to you by Shopify. Forget the frustration of picking commerce platforms when you switch your business to Shopify. The global commerce platform that supercharges your selling wherever you sell. With Shopify, you'll harness the same intuitive features, trusted apps, and powerful analytics used by the world's leading brands. Sign up today for your $1 per month trial period at shopify.com slash tech, all lowercase. That's shopify.com slash tech. From Gimlet, this is Reply Off. I'm PJ Vogt. Once a year, an elite group of British scientists meet to talk about this problem that they call the silence in the sky. The meetings are always close to the public, but I talked to one of the scientists who attends. His name is William Edmondson. It's a, a closed group in the sense that it's academics who are interested in searching for extraterrestrials. You must be aware that it's a slightly off-the-wall sort of topic. And uh, as a consequence, we feel the need to be fairly careful uh, about the audience so that we can have sensible and genuinely scientific discussions. You want to keep it to academics because if you don't, it's going to be people who are be like, I know that there's extraterrestrial life. It talks to me every day or whatever. Yeah, right. I had lunch with one yesterday or whatever. Right. So in September 2015, they go to have their annual meeting. This time it's in Leeds, warm, cloudy day. But that year, something was different. This Russian tycoon had come out of nowhere to announce a new initiative. $100 million in funding to search for extraterrestrials. This was a huge deal because there is no money in SETI research. This is something that all these prestigious scientists just do on the side. And more than that, this tycoon, he specifically was offering a lot of money to whatever group could come up with the best message to send to aliens. This would be a message that would be broadcast using an interstellar radio signal that could reach light years and light years away. Not some dinky little probe like Voyager. A message that could actually get picked up. So they have their meeting, and somebody asks the obvious question, do we, the UK SETI Research Network, want to participate? Do we think this is a good idea? Should we send a message to outer space? And how heated was the discussion? I mean, come on, you know, we're Brits, we're scientists. <laughs> <laughs> it's, it's probably measured by the degree of interruptions, like, no, that's wrong. Or <laughs> you don't get people standing up and waving their arms around. The arguments were polite, but the arguments were intense. Right from the start, there was this whole section of people who were convinced that reaching out to aliens was the worst possible idea. Astronomer Alan Penny was there, and he says that the no argument is pretty simple. Just imagine you're in a jungle. You're in a jungle, and you think there might be tigers around. You want to tiptoe. Maybe you want to stand real still. You don't want to talk loudly. If you tell it we're here, and if it's nasty, it might, it might say, ooh, and, and come and kill you. It gets worse. According to Dr. Andrew Sandberg, the group's resident philosopher, if the alien does want to kill you, you're cooked. 
it's very likely that if we encounter some other civilization in the Milky Way, it's probably a few million years older than us. So we wouldn't stand a chance if they wanted to do something bad. Or just if they wanted to say, oh, we need to tell you the good news about Lord Sorgon, and you need to read these pamphlets and believe what we believe. The oldest story in human history will get repeated one last time. Will be the natives wiped out by foreign explorers. They might use lasers the way we're all picturing, or maybe they'll do it by accident. They'll plant their favorite alien flower, and it'll take over the whole ecosystem. The point is, it will be Christopher Columbus all over again. Except this time, our last dying thought will be that we brought this on ourselves. We sent a message inviting them to come. That feels like a good enough reason to not send a message. But Alan had an argument against this. He was like, guys, come on, you are being so naive. If you really think that these aliens are so smart and so deadly, it doesn't matter if you send a message or not, they will find us. If they want to kill us, we've already given them enough of an opportunity to. Here's how it'll work. We've got listening stations right now. They'll send us a message. We'll get it. It'll look great. Message from aliens. Cure for cancer. We'll open it up. So everybody, uh, some people will get inoculated with this cure for cancer, and, and this will spread, and everybody will get the, get the cure. But it turns out that 10 years later, everybody drops dead. You know, so the message might contain... Uh, a virus, as it were. So listening could be dangerous. Huh. And this brings us to the argument for why we should send a message. Alan says, yes, if the aliens want to kill us, they're going to kill us. But he says sending a message is worth it because the aliens could also save us. He actually, he kept saying this. He'd say some horrible thing that could happen, and then he'd say, but they could also save us. And I kept wondering, like, save us from what? And finally, he told me what he was talking about. On a fundamental level, there is a distinct chance the human race is not going to last that long. There are many ways in which we can destroy ourselves, and some famous scientists say there's only a 50-50 chance we're going to survive the next 100 years. If we don't start a nuclear war, then there's biological weapons. If we survive that, there's global warming. So there's lots of dangers facing the human race which could destroy us, and what's the chance of us lasting the next thousand years? So if you could contact with an ET which, is, which has survived all this, it could say, well, uh, yeah, we faced all those problems, and here is how we survived. So if you send a message out and you provoke a response, you might save the human race. When all the scientists in the conference room had said their piece, the UK SETI Research Network decided that it was time to just take a vote. Right then, right there. All in favor of sending a message? Hands went up. Turned out half the room agreed with Alan. Yes, absolutely. All opposed? Half the hands went up. Half the room thought sending a message was completely reckless. They were exactly split. Anders, the philosopher, who everybody knew was kind of a fence-sitter, he voted twice. One's in favor, one's opposed. And weirdly, the group that had started all this, the Russian billionaires group that had all the money for the message, they actually came to the same decision. They decided they'd collect a bunch of messages to think about what kind of messages to send aliens, but they couldn't agree that it was a good idea to send them either. And so they're also holding. And that's where we've been for the last two years, with scientists just agonizing over a message that they can't decide whether or not they ought to send. 
The thing is, though, it turns out that when scientists are too thoughtful or overthinky to contact aliens, it leaves a vacuum. And other people fill that vacuum. I talked to one of them. My name's Matt Byron, uh, and sorry, my dog's just walked in. Uh, started whining at me. Ziggy, go on, shoot. Off. <laughs> I think she thinks there's someone here. Yeah. <laughs> um, so, yeah, so what, what was I saying? So a few years ago, Matt and his friend John were super broke, and they heard that Doritos was willing to pay 20,000 pounds to the person who could come up with a Doritos ad that the company could beam into space. So they made one over a bottle of whiskey in one night in Matt's crummy apartment, starring Matt, and they won. For somebody who hasn't seen the ad, like, what is the story of the ad? Like, what happens in it? Uh, I mean, it's essentially a guy uh, comes home with a packet of crisps, Doritos, uh, and he uh, sort of opens them up, lays them down, and then I think... He, he he sort of wanders out of the room for for a couple of minutes but whilst he's out of the room they essentially come out come to life uh i think they climb out of the packet from, i haven't actually watched it today but uh, i can confirm they, that they do climb out of the packet yeah they, they climb out of the packet do a sort of aztec ritual dance around the uh the salsa pot which then opens and then one of the uh, single Doritos sort of ritualistically uh, offers himself to the salsa. And then obviously, then I return and, and kind of finish him off. Doritos. It's almost like you're the salsa god or something. Like you return and you reach into the ritually sacrificed salsa and take out the chip and eat it. I, th- I think that's kind of, yeah, how it ended up, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> the day after Matt won the contest, Doritos put him on a plane, flew him to a Norwegian island where the Icecat European Space Station is housed. Just picture two giant radar domes pointed at the sky. They put him in the control room, they made him wear a Doritos t-shirt, and they told him to hit a button. He does. And this ad, with Matt's face in it, is shot out towards Ursa Major for the consumption of aliens. Which is which is terrifying. That's, that might be something that would be the first thing they would see. <laughs> what do you mean? Like that there's this poor, poor race of uh, triangular things that are kind of uh, are ruled by this godly human mess. <laughs> well, not only that, I mean, my the I've probably thought about this too much. Um, it's just been the week that I've been having. But like, yeah, I mean, the story that you'd be telling them is, you know, on the planet where this transmission is from, there is a being of creatures who are triangular, uh, you know, called called Doritos or perhaps like Dorito. And uh, and there is like another species that like murderously consumes them. Yeah. And that yeah. species is you personally. Yeah, absolutely. <laughs> yeah. I could imagine someone seeing this and being like, we have to mount a rescue mission to <laughs> yeah. Earth to save yeah. these creatures. Yeah. Well, if that happens, uh, you know, I'm happy to like just put myself out of there, and they can they can imprison me, or I mean, or, or, or the or the alternative is that they they might turn up and want to try these these Doritos, and then you can imagine the brand and the the advertising agency then being like, we nailed it, like they, you know, the, the first offering that kind of that you know that moment where the the doors open and you know, President Trump hands them a pot of salsa and a packet of cool Doritos um, would be quite an amazing scenario to see. 
in a very depressing way. So what this means is that if there's intelligent life in the universe, intelligent life that is paying attention and trying to figure out who we are, what they now know about us is that we really like the taste of Cool Ranch Doritos. And actually, it's worse than that. Here's another message we've sent them. We sent them an audio recording of the sound of a ballerina's vagina contracting because a guy at MIT felt like there weren't enough representations of human reproductive systems in space. Additionally, they got this message from a bunch of Russian teenagers. Um, This was part of a project where teenagers picked their favorite theremin songs. I think because there's an idea that theremins are sci-fi music and so aliens will probably like them. It feels like stereotyping. Perhaps the worst thing that we've sent them, in my opinion, is something that Anders told me about. It was an advertisement for a local theater event. It was the first Klingon language opera. The first Klingon language opera? Yes. Um, After all, the Klingon language made up for the Star Trek uh, movies. Well, there is a community uh, very active in uh, making uh, more of a language, developing it and doing art in it. So they developed an opera and somebody got the idea to send uh, that towards Arcturus uh, with a radio message, an invitation for the opening. This is the message we wanted the aliens to get. Something that I cannot imagine any being, no matter their culture, no matter their brain, not viewing as a declaration of war. And if they missed all these messages, we also broadcast the entirety of the movie The Day the Earth Stood Still. We sent them messages from a defunct social media site called Bebo. At one point, somebody for some reason sent them all the classified listings from Craigslist. I would not have chosen any of this. None of this represents me. All it does is make me feel very, very embarrassed to be a human. At a certain point, I felt like all I wanted was to find one message we'd sent that didn't make me just want to crawl into a hole and die. And that's how I met Martin. Um, Martin Lewis, uh, producer, writer, and humorist. Martin Lewis, like everybody else I talked to for some reason, is British, although he actually lives in the United States. And the only thing you need to know about Martin Lewis is that he's a really big Beatles fan. Uh, I was playing around one day and I noticed that, oh, we were coming up to the 40th anniversary of the recording of the song Across the Universe. And the the philosophy of the song always spoke to me. What is the philosophy of the song for people that don't know it? There's more words in that song, more verses and more words than in any other John Lennon song. It was a kaleidoscope of images and it was just the notion that the power of love, the, 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 not the romantic love, but just the feeling of love, that that was the most powerful um, message you could have. So it's a Beatles song. In my opinion, not the best Beatles song. Nobody asked me. Anyway, Martin got in touch with NASA. And the guy at NASA I was speaking to, I told him the idea. I said, I want to take the Beatles song across the universe, across the universe. He said, yes, it could be done. We've never done it, but yes, it could be done. So then Martin tried to get permission to use the song. 
Yoko, she loved the idea, and she wrote a beautiful tribute that said something, this is a, a short version, that said, this is great, that John and the Beatles' music will now go out to reach billions and billions of planets across the universe. Meanwhile, I then got a message from Paul, just said, great idea, give my love to the aliens. <laughs> and I comp contacted the music publishing company, who shall be nameless because I don't want to embarrass Sony, but um, the guy I spoke to there was completely soulless, joyless, humorless, and said, well, if you're sending a radio signal of one of our compositions, then you have to, a royalty has to be paid. I said, we're beaming it into space, man. <laughs> we agree that you can collect the royalty, but you have to collect it yourself. Eventually, Martin was able to get everybody on board. And when the big day came, he got to be there. He was at Mission Control at the Jet Propulsion Laboratories in Pasadena, California, in the launch room. It was like Mission Control in Apollo 13. There was this beautiful room, and it was set up with all the scientists, and there was a big logo, the NASA logo, the Beatles logo, and the words across the universe. And when they, so they do the countdown, and then they hit play. I mean, would then in that room, in the control room with all these NASA people, did you hear the song, or is it like it's being sent over waves or something like that? So no, uh, we, we both. We had uh, the, 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 they, they at that point they did it. Uh, press the button. A yes, the um, MP3 file was being trans started transmission. And then simultaneously, of course, they did play the song in that room. And again, I, I really had, a, it was emotional. Look, as a person who is very glad that Martin sent this message, I still cannot guarantee that it was a good idea. I do not know what a Beatles song is gonna to mean to an alien. But maybe the point of these messages is not actually what aliens think of them. These are messages that we're sending to someone who might not exist, who we really do not expect to get a response from. Which means that maybe we should just think of them more like we think of prayers. Because if you think of them as prayers, messages that are offering hope and comfort to the people who send them, then at least like a lot of them make more sense. You step out into the silence and you say something and you don't get an answer. But that's okay because just saying it, it does something to you. Like afterwards, the exact same silence is still there, but now that silence feels different. You feel less alone. And if we use that standard, I really like Martin's message. It's just sending a message of, like, love and British rock into the universe. And I think that's how Martin sees it, too, because when he heard that there were scientists who thought sending a Beatles song out had been a bad idea, he wasn't offended. It just didn't even make sense to him. And at first I thought it was a hoax. And once I realized there were people um, as crazy to be serious about it, I did remember that, hey, that's what we were fighting against in the 1960s, the kind of small-minded, blue-meanie spirit. A few days later, uh, I ran into Yoko Ono, and she said, did you read about those? I said, yeah, I was going <laughs> to ask you. She said, is that crazy or what? 
if there are aliens, they're going to have a spark of um, a spark of spirit and humanity. And when you listen to great music, I think you're going to be full of admiration that um, some creatures from another planet sent a message out there that if they could decipher it or just listen to the harmonic vibration of it, it's positive. It's not aggressive. It doesn't. It's not threatening them uh, with anything. It's it's surrounding them with love, and that's not a bad little sentiment to send across the universe. Coming up after the break, Rafael finally calls in an outside mediator. This episode is brought to you by Ascension. A better you starts with better hydration. Essentia is on a mission to inspire people to do what matters most. Their proprietary ionization process transforms water from any source into ionized alkaline water, providing water that's 99.9% pure with a pH of 9.5 or higher. Essentia Overachieving H2O, the number one ionized alkaline water. Shop now. This summer, click into cordless power with Memorial Day savings at the Home Depot. Tackle more than half an acre of grass with the convenience and gas-like power of the Ryobi 40-volt battery-powered mower. And keep your flower beds fresh with the 40-volt cordless string trimmer. Then clear debris with the 40-volt jet fan leaf blower. Click into Memorial Day savings happening now at your cordless power source, the Home Depot. How doers get more done. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply ebay motors is here for the ride with over 122 million parts you can make sure your number one ride or die stays running smoothly brake kits led headlights bumpers whatever your baby needs ebay motors has it and with ebay guaranteed fit it's guaranteed to fit your ride the first time every time plus at these prices you're burning rubber not cash keep your ride or die alive at ebaymotors.com eligible items only exclusions apply Hey, just before we start the second half of the show, there is a brief description of sexual assault in this segment. If that's not the kind of thing you want to hear, you should skip it. Okay, uh, PJ. Yes. So uh, it's this Sunday is uh, Email Debt Forgiveness Day. Which everybody knows is the holiday where if you have put off an email to someone, doesn't matter how much time it's been, you're allowed to just email them as if no time has passed and they have to forgive you. We ask people, if you have an email that you're struggling with, we'd like to hear about it. Send us an email. And producer Damiano Marchetti, who is in the studio with us right now. Hello. Yes, I am. Hi. 
Um, he went through all of the emails that we received. Um, and Damiano, uh, what did you find? I, w- I want to tell you about one email in particular, an email from a woman named Kelly. So you might actually know the first part of this story. Kelly was in the news recently for this really disturbing thing that happened to her. Um, she's a runner. She's been training for a marathon. And on that particular day, which was March 5th, I had a 10-mile run. It was a Sunday afternoon, and I ran down to Golden Gardens, which is a popular park and beach in Seattle. She stops to use a public bathroom. She's washing her hands. And I was there, kind of got like the feeling of like something's wrong. Um, Turned around, and there was a homeless man behind me, and I was completely cornered. And he kind of came at me like, kind of like a bear. Uh, he threw me down to the floor, um, turned me on to my, got me on my stomach, had my left arm pinned, um, was pulling at my pants. And I had just taken self-defense where they teach us, like, if you can be more trouble to your attacker than he perceives you to be worth, then that can help you escape. So yeah. I was trying to show him, like, I'm not afraid of you. Like, you should be afraid of me. And I was just screaming, not today, motherfucker. I will fucking kill you. Like, I was so mad. She tears herself away and runs out of the bathroom. And there are some people outside. They rush over to help her. One of them's got a carabiner, which they use to lock the attacker in the bathroom. The attacker goes to jail. And Kelly, she's rushed to the hospital. A couple of days later, she posts on Instagram about what had happened to her. And the news picks it up. And, and it goes viral. Like, it's, it's everywhere. A woman says she was able to fight off a man who was A shocking Instagram post sending chills and inspiration to women everywhere. And then Kelly starts getting hundreds of messages. Most of them are people saying, you're a hero. What you did was amazing. Then there's like a, a subsection. She says like maybe 10% of the emails are people who are like, you should have been carrying a gun. Or another weapon. That's so crazy. Or there are some people like trying to promote their products through her. So there's like they're like, we're sending you a free body scrub. Tag us on Instagram. Oh my no, god, that's really fucking obnoxious. And then the last group of people are people who have experienced like sexual assault or sexual abuse and are emailing her to like share their story or like say that she was an inspiration to them in some way. Um, that's a lot to take on. Yeah. So when people started writing to me, I was replying to all of them. Mm-hmm. And then it just became impossible to manage. And it was becoming really overwhelming and stressful. Um, and I, I was a, like the trauma of what I went through. I couldn't function normally. It's, yeah. Your, your body, it doesn't let go. It doesn't move on physiologically or mentally. And she feels like she just can't respond to these emails anymore, but they haunt her. Um, and I, I hope it doesn't sound like I'm not grateful because I'm incredibly grateful. And I love that people like, you know, want to connect with me now that I'm, I'm that I realized how much better I feel by walking away. Yeah. I feel really guilty. And there's this other problem, which is like, there's not really escaping these messages. Like they're, they're just clogging every avenue of her life. Like she wants to go to Instagram and see her friend's new kid. 
And, you know, she's, there's like 400 unread messages in her Instagram inbox. It's like having like, like when something happens and and like all news media like descends on somebody's lawn. Like it's like that, but just with the way she would like virtually experience her community. Right. And at one point in our conversation, she just makes like this offhand joke. (laughs) Do you want to read all my emails and respond for me? (laughs) Would that be like a good... Like, would do you wish someone would come in and respond to them? Like, is that an actual yeah. thing that you would like to yeah. do to have yeah, make I would happen? Love that. Yes, absolutely, huh. absolutely. That would just take a huge. I would feel a huge sense of relief. So I got off the phone with her, and I kept thinking about what she had said, and I was going through the email inbox, and there was this. There's another email from this guy named Gregory. Uh huh. Um, Gregory's like a, he wrote that he's like a corporate lawyer in his day job, but his hobby is as, is a, is being a mediator. What does that mean? Like if you are a person who walks around the world looking for a chance to mediate, like, yeah. is he mediating at the grocery store? Is he mediating? <laughs> like, like, like he meets, he mediates like very classic conflicts. So like his mother-in-law and sister-in-law were fighting every year during Thanksgiving about making the meal. Uh-huh. And so he's like, I'm going to sit you down and make sure you're communicating with each other and like create like very clear boundaries about whose job is what on the day and where people can be and all of that. He's shit. like a mediation SWAT team. I imagine him rappelling off the roof and swinging in through yes. the window and being like, I'm going to solve a problem. <laughs> and do these things work or do? Yeah. Okay. Like in that Thanksgiving situation, it's been years, but like they go back to that plan they created with him. Wow. Okay. So he was writing not just to brag about his mediation. He was writing to genuinely offer up his services to reply as a hobbyist mediator. Yes, to reply all listeners for email debt forgiveness day. If anyone needed help responding to their difficult emails, he could do it for them. What a sweetheart. Okay. And I was like, hmm, maybe this guy really could help Kelly. So I gave her a call and she was like, yeah, I'm totally down to try. I don't want to be the person that like ruins this. It does feel weird though. Like it feels like it feels weird that there's something weird about Gregory answering these emails yeah. from these people that were not sent to him. Totally. I It was something I was pretty anxious about. I felt better by the end. Um, and I think you will too. Just like hold on one second. Like hold that thought. Okay. Let me just tell you what happened next, which is Gregory and Kelly and I all got on the phone and Gregory laid out his plan. What I, what I hope to help you do, if you so choose, is to take the emotional load of these emails and I, let me be very clear, let, let, let me, out of humility, let me limit it. You've gone through a very difficult thing, which I do not begin to understand. But one thing that I think I can do is take the emotional load and difficulty of these emails and take it off of you and put it on me. These things mm-hmm. won't be your problem anymore. They will be my problem. <laughs> yeah. So let me tell you what I'm thinking about sending. And you, can, and you can tell me if you like it. What what I'll say is, hi, you know, so-and-so, thank you so much for reaching out. Uh, I'm, I'm a friend of Kelly's, or you can call me whatever you want, a stranger from the mm-hmm. internet that Kelly knows. And, um, <laughs> the, and this experience has been really tough for Kelly, and so she's not going to be able to get to all of the messages right now. But... She is extremely grateful that so many people have reached out to her with compassion and caring, and she wants to send her appreciation to you. And then if that person has said something that indicates they're a survivor, I'll add, um, 
Kelly's also having me keep track of people who are survivors of, um, you know, abuse or assault like you. And, you know, your, your messages are especially meaningful to her. And she may well, you know, as time continues and as her recovery progresses, she may well reach out to you individually uh, in the future. Thanks so much for your message. Nailed it. Great. Yes. So, yes. <laughs> So I spent the next 24 hours just like working out a system to deal with like the privacy issues so that neither Gregory or I would be able to read any of the emails from the assault survivors, but Gregory would still be able to respond to them. And then Friday night, we got on the phone one last time. Um, okay, we're all here, I think. Hello, hello. Hi, hello. hi. Hey, guys. Uh, But before we could get started, Kelly was like, guys, I need to talk to you about something. I've kind of had a few things happen in the last 24 hours that have given me a lot of perspective on this. Well, you know how you kind of clean up your house like before you have the maid come over if you if <laughs> I mean I don't exactly know what that's like but um so I was archiving things and um deleting things and I was struck by a couple of the messages that I came across and um one was from a girl who is also a survivor of sexual assault and she said you're part of this you're part of this club now, you know, it's not one that any of us wanted to be in, but now you're part of it. And, you know, we're all here for each other. And I thought, is it my place to allow someone into the clubhouse and look around? (laughs) Um, And so I had kind of an ethical dilemma with that. And then I got a message from a person who is in a very similar situation to mine. Um, an article came out and he accomplished something under extraordinary circumstances. And, um, he said, I know the messages that you can, that you get can be really overwhelming, but, um, it's because people are really drawn to stories like this and, you know, it's okay to, to be selfish and your recovery comes first. So draw, you know, you're not, you don't really owe anything to anyone, like just draw boundaries. And, um, and then I, so of course I looked up his story and and I read it and I was like, so inspired by it. And I thought it was so incredible. And I got the urge to tell him how amazing, like what depth of character he had to, to do what he did. And then I thought if I wrote to him, and I got a response from someone else. Like I thought about how that would make me feel. And, um, I think I would rather just, I don't think this is hanging over anyone. I don't think there's people out there anymore who are thinking, Oh God, that bitch didn't even write me back. (laughs) (laughs) Right. It was just Um, you. It was you that was thinking that. Yeah. 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 I realized that the only person who can forgive my email debt is me. And I, I shouldn't blanket that with a, um, 
you know, with something to just give give those messages closure because they don't really need closure. The closure was when the person wrote it to me, not in my responding to it. I've already done the thing I was supposed to do. Well, tell you, it it sounds like you've reached a wonderful realization here. (laughs) You're a really good mediator. (laughs) (laughs) Well... This is not what I, I hope expected. I haven't disappointed no, either. no. Are you kidding me? No, not at all. I've been like, I've been feeling kind of anxious about this because I know that, like, I, I was like, I'm really glad we're doing this, but I know that even when we clear all these emails out, like, people are going to respond to the emails, and I had this like sense of anxiety that, like, ah, oh, like this is like doesn't matter how high we build this dam, like we can't protect you from the world caring about you. Uh. <laughs> <Right>. <laughs> there, there are worse problems. <laughs> Thanks to Kelly and Gregory and everyone who wrote in with their email debt forgiveness day stories. If you want to share email debt forgiveness day with your friends and family, you can go to the website emaildebt.club. Reply All is hosted by PJ Vote and me, Alex Goldman. Our show is produced by Shruti Pinamaneni, Fia Benin, Chloe Prasinos, and Damiano Marchetti. Production assistance from Sharina Ong. We're edited by Tim Howard and Jorge Just. We were mixed by Rick Kwan. Special thanks to Corey Godbay, Natalie Sexton, and Emily Kennedy. Our theme song is by the mysterious Breakmaster Cylinder, and our ad music is by Build Buildings. Matt Lieber is the satisfaction of pressing send on an email that you've agonized over for a year. You can visit our website at replyall.limo. You can find more episodes of the show on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, or wherever you listen to podcasts. Thanks for listening. We'll see you next week. moment and they've run out of music. Hurry to the sad marimba planet. Nice one. No. No. We've used that one before. Oh, here we go.